Hard, heavy, and hell. Badass music for badass listeners. This is Pariah Burke, your hard-talking, heavy-drinking, hairball host of the Hard, Heavy, and Hair Show. If I said I heard a new hardcore country band, new country metal artists, what sound of music would enter your mind? To quote a guitarist I just met, your first urge might be to exclaim, Keep your country out of my metal! A few weeks ago, I might have said the same thing. But then I discovered the music of a bandit-masked gang of outlaw headbangers calling themselves Silo. Since then, you've heard me play their music on the Hard, Heavy, and Hair weekly radio show. One day, I was talking to a hard rock and metal fan in the Hard Rock, Heavy Metal, and Hair Band's Facebook group, and this fan said, when Silo comes out, it's going to change everything. When I hear a bold claim like that, I have to look into it. Silo rocked me straight out of the saddle of my iron horse with their first single, Glitter and Gold, which is also the title of the debut album they released just two days after the band and I hung out on Zoom. You're about to listen to that conversation. I'm Pariah Burke, host of the Hard, Heavy, and Hair Show, and I am joined by Silo. Who are we talking to? Matt, what do you do? I'm Matt. I am the lead singer and uh, primary cheerleader for the band. I'm Brian. I am uh, one of the guitar players and the primary slave driver of the band. That's also <laughs> true. Yeah, and make sure we're on time. And who are you, Pariah? Um, <laughs> just a Harley riding, hard drinking talk radio talk show host. I love it. What kind of Harley do you have? Uh, a couple, but a soft tail at the moment. Nice. Awesome. Yeah, we'll have to talk about that later. Maybe get together for a ride at some point. That'd be cool. Yeah, man. I, never, I never did bikes, but I got plenty of classic cars. That's my thing. Yeah, that is true, too. <laughs> he can chaperone. I'm scared of bikes, man. I got, I got a dirty enough habit with old cars. <laughs> I know. That's the last thing you need, huh? What Fancy you, guitars and cars. What are you driving, Brian? Oh, I got a, I got a '63 Corvair. I got a Thunderbird, Ooh, nice. Nova, uh, Supra, Cougar, Beetle. <laughs> like, think about it, because I'm like, I got so many cars, uh, but they come and go. I like swap and trade, and I rebuild them and whatever. It's kind of something to keep my, keep my hands busy when I'm not keeping my hands busy playing guitar for this band, which is. Not often, <laughs> but very efficient when we do. I can imagine you don't have a lot of free time now that you just dropped your brand new album. That is true. You know, we're spending a lot of time promoting and talking to people. Uh, this is exciting for me because this project came together so fast and kind of by chance that, uh, you know, we're in, we're in full on promotion mode at this point, but we're already itching to get back in the studio and work on the second. So. Oh, wow. Do you, do you already have songs written? We have oh, ideas fleshed out. Um, and I'll let, I'll let Brian touch on that a little bit more. But uh, typically, we just keep a nice big arsenal of song ideas and riffs, you know, whether it's recorded on a phone or you know, through someone's interface at home. And we just compile them and we see kind of what is speaking to us. And then uh, usually they, you know, shake a stick at me and say, go write words. 
and I'll do that. And they say, those were awful, go do it again. And after we do it enough times, we end up with something that uh, everybody can stomach. So I always say, I'm just grateful to, to be involved and I just hope I still get to be in the band. <laughs> he always says that like oh, i just hope i get to be in the band and we're about to release the record and it's like oh, i just hope i get to be in the band it's gonna, it's gonna be something when we find a real singer <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's been a lot of fun pariah well that's good music should be fun especially this is your first album right all together as silo yes so this should be a blast for you guys a lot of work, I'm sure, but this is when you should be having fun. Uh, none of us are strangers to writing music. You know, many of us have toured uh, and we've put out records and we've done the radio thing and whatever for a number of years. But um, some of us, some of it's a little newer for some of us than others. But uh, uh, this being our first album for this project with this new style of music, we think is pretty unique. Uh, you know, although there are other sort of country rock or southern rock or maybe metal uh metal with some twang hybrid type you know uh types of music out there like we really think we have something special and unique and this is something that i wanted to do for the better part of a decade so uh we're excited to unleash it onto the world obviously we've thrown out some singles you've you've played those thank you for spinning some silo hopefully your audience has uh, been digging it and hopefully they do oh, yeah it. Hopefully they dig the rest of the album when it comes out. But yeah, we're excited. We're 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 we're, we're trying to get traction. We've only we we just formulated this in the end of July. Like we hit the studio the beginning of August. This 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 is will tell you why I'm the slave driver pariah. It's because I like roped these kids into this craziness. And I was like, I've been wanting to do this for ten years, and you know, for the time span of like the first week of August going into the studio until like maybe two months later. We had uh, the, almost the whole record written and we had uh, a music video filmed and we were filming our second music video, which they're both out now, but just in the span of like 60 days, like we just came up with this whole thing, like the look, the persona, the brand, the music, the, the media, the, the, the social profiles and all, all of that stuff. And we've just been like gung-ho ever since. So we're just getting started. So when you ask about, you know, new music, yeah, we are. We got. We already got some new music. We're already thinking about the second album. We're thinking about the next five music videos and all that good stuff. Well, that's great. Um, I so I don't know if anybody will hear the album by the time they see this interview, but I have heard it and I I really like it. I've heard every song on it, not just the singles I've played. Um, and I did play Glitter and Gold and then War Paint. And I played Glitter and Gold, and then I asked my listeners to tell me what they thought. Did they want to hear more Silo? And the overwhelming answer was yes. I mean, they, I played War Paint because I heard from the listeners. They're very into you guys. They love the sound. Um, That's very cool. So I'm really... I'm humbled. Here's a little side story about this. So we actually, like you said, this all came together very quickly. Uh, the first day that I met these guys in person was the same day that we walked into a studio and glitter and gold happened. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So I mean, everything happened very quickly. We had another tune that they had, you know, tried another singer on and they sent me an instrumental version and I took a crack at it and it's, you know, it's still in the arsenal for us, but you know, we finished that first one, the first half of the day in the studio. And the second day we, 
or, or the second half of that first day, we went in and did glitter and gold or what became glitter and gold. And uh, it happened so quickly that we kind of looked at each other and said, you know, we might be onto something here. So it, it, it all happened so fast. And uh, I just hope it keeps going, man. The momentum has been crazy. It's felt like I've been on a rocket ship because I've not ever been in a, you know, serious rock band like this before. I came from more of the countryside and, you know, more of just a singer songwriter playing with an acoustic. I've always loved hard rock and metal, you know, as a fan. And of course, just sitting in the bedroom, you know, playing an electric guitar. But it wasn't until these guys said, hey, we have an idea where we want to combine these two. And we're looking for someone crazy enough to, to try it with us that I said, I think, you know, I got to check these guys out. So yeah, glitter is the, it's, I often forget this, but it was the first day that I met these guys. And I'm so grateful that I did. He's not giving you the full story, Brian. What is the full story, Brian? So my perspective from his perspective is he decided like, Oh, you know, it's COVID times. I need a, I need a nice hobby. I've always wanted to do music. And he's just perusing the old Craigslist looking for a project. And unbeknownst to him, he hits us up, not even knowing what's about to unfold of him. Next thing you know, I'm flying from Kansas City to Denver, picking picking his butt up. We're going to the studio, and we're like, get in there and do this. And then all of a sudden, we're recording a music video 30 days later, and he was he's probably thinking, what the hell did I get myself into? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right. <laughs> was it kind of like you pulled up and you said, you know, come with me if you want to sing? <laughs> Come with me if you want to. Know. Actually, no, so here's the rest of that story. He didn't tell you about it. Come list. with me if you want to live, meme. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I'm um, literally, dude. I, I don't think I've ever been on Craigslist. Maybe once before. Just I looked at the you know the musicians page. Just I like to see what's out there. And I see this ad that says you know singer wanted for hardcore country band. And I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. And I click on it and it's a picture of a Samuel L. Jackson in a cowboy hat photoshopped on an Alan Jackson album cover. And the caption is country music, motherfucker. Do you sing it? Nice. The, the next line was, you know, we're looking for somebody that wants to do something somewhere across between Beartooth and Luke Bryan. And I was like, you know, if I was going to make a band that was a dream band and I had no limitations to bending genre, that's about what I would do. So I've said, could this be any more perfect? You know, I think this is a dream project. I'd love to chat with you guys further. And it does feel like it was a blur because next thing I know he's out there, we're getting picked up, we're at the studio. And I think it was less than 30 days. I was sweating my balls off on a soundstage with hay bales and a stripper pole doing the glitter and gold video. And, you know, we haven't slowed down since, so. It's very funny how that came together. Okay, I, I like the this the dichotomy of the imagery you just set up. Um, there's you said Samuel L. Jackson's head on Alan Jackson's body. Is yeah, for an, for his album cover. Okay. Yeah. Um, then uh, Beartooth and who? Luke Bryan. Luke Bryan, and then stripper pole and ba bales of hay. Hay bales. <laughs> 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 and that that really sums up what i'm hearing on the album good we're so <laughs> glad <laughs> those three <laughs> pairs of images yeah. <laughs> that means we hit something right you know and i'm i'm still blown away we we started dropping equipment off at the soundstage for the video shoot and the crew was like 
we see stripper poles and gold paint and hay bales. What are we doing here? Like they had never seen anything like that. So I got to give it credit to these guys. You know, this is definitely Brian's brainchild along with one of our other co-writers. He's a brilliant musician and they've been wanting to do this for a while, you know, and uh, it, I think it kind of took this whole pandemic and everything um, to happen for us to connect and for it to really work out. But, you know, I found brothers in this and, now you know we we te we text every day. It's, it's like a relationship, and <laughs> it really is awesome. <laughs> That's really cool. You found your tribe. We definitely did. Yeah, Silo Country. What's up, everybody? <laughs> um, okay, so before we get too far afield, I want to come back and ask a question. But I also want to: Who else is in the band? Uh. Great question. So uh, some history on that, too, even though like all this is just kind of spun out of nothing real fast. Uh, ironically, when we when we reached out to find a producer to produce our album, I just I just kind of did the same thing I did to uh, find our singer, which is I, I threw up, you know, call them ads or call them whatever you want to just kind of put feelers out there. And someone uh, responded and said, oh, country and metal, you want to produce that? Uh, like, oh, there's a guy uh, th that might be interested in that. And they tagged uh, a producer uh, his name is eric and he's the producer at a, um, a studio north of denver uh, and so i called him up and i was like hey how, how, how do you feel about producing some country metal he's like well he's like i produce country all the time and i produce metal all the time love them both never did them together hell in the hell why not you know uh and so uh as matt was saying like we all banded together. I flew into Denver and we drove, got in a car, drove up there, whatever. And we started working with the producer uh, on the music. And he's, he's super cool. Eric's super cool. Uh, and then, you know, as, 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 you know, a month goes by, we do the music video and we're like, oh shit, we're only a three piece. We need a bass player and a drummer in here, you know? And so we invited him actually be in the music video and play the role of our bass player. Well, you know, a couple weeks go on and, we're writing more of the album or whatever. And it just finally came to our producer, the guy that's producing our album. He's like, he just needs to be in the band. Like he just wants to be in the band. We want him in the band. So our producer ends up being in the band with us. So Eric is our bass player. He's also our producer. So kind of a fairy fairy tale story there. Like I've never heard of a, of, of a producer loving a band so much that he wanted to actually be in the band with them. So that's cool. And then as far as our drummer goes, um, We've been, we've been working uh, with, with a gentleman, uh, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm totally brain farting. What's his name? Trevor. No. no not Trevor, Seth. Wrong. Seth. And the reason why we can't remember his name is because he's a higher good pariah. Okay. Uh, our drummer is not an official band member, which, you know, if, if you know touring, you know musicians, especially country musicians, like uh, it's pretty common for them to do higher guns when they're on tour or higher studio drummer or studio musician to come in we've had studio musicians come in and help do some of the fiddle uh, and other instruments on our album because you know i mean we can all play a little bit of fiddle a little bit of banjo but you know there's some of us are better at other instruments than others so um in terms of uh yeah other other sounds on the album and tent and in terms of like touring we you know we're, we're going the uh the higher gun route in some areas so the band is Matt Singer, myself, guitar player, Eric, who was our producer, now is our bass player, and Adrian, who is our other guitar player. Does okay. that help? I felt like that was like a winded explanation for your question. 
No, that's that's great. Thank you. No, I'm I'm not. It's not court. I'm not looking for you know really succinct answers. Um. So. Um, you feel free to tell me shut the hell up anytime. <laughs> no, you're great. Great. <laughs> but I I do want to ask. You don't have a last name, Brian. Well, I do have a last name. So here's the deal with that. Uh, and actually, we get people that like inbox our social profiles, and they're like, "Great, what do I call you?" I'm like, "Hey, just call me B." Uh, or Papa Silo. These guys call me Papa Silo because I'm like I'm like the dad of the band, or whatever you, however you want to position that. I don't know why <laughs> they call me that, but um, yeah, I just you know uh, I'm cool with saying my name's Brian. Like you, you know, most people I just say, "Hey, call me B" or whatever. And the reason behind that is because I was actually in another band and a touring musician before and semi-recognized in public, and I still get it to this day. But there's been instances where. I would recognize in public when I didn't want to, and it's affected my personal life. And I've had situations in the past where like I've been stalked or, um, you know, just, just weird stuff. And so I'm not really trying to be like cryptic or like, you know, ominous or however you want to position with like not really putting my name out there. You can find it if you dig real deep, like obviously like uh, our music's credited online and in the you know, music registries or whatever, because you kind of have to have your name on stuff to get credit for royalties and stuff. So if people really dig and they want to know my full name, great, go find it. But uh, you know, I'm not, I'm trying not, I'm trying not to get stalkers. And I'm trying not to let you know being a musician uh, affect my personal life. Is the is the short story there? And I I totally get that. A lot of my friends are musicians and entertainers of other form, and I'm an entertainer myself. And yeah, some people can get weird, you know, and suddenly you have a relationship with somebody you've never met before, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like that woman recently who had, uh, what was it? She was in a relationship with Nikki Six and his girlfriend and Brett Michaels of Poison, but it was... No, I know what you're saying. Oh, I've had I've had strange phone calls. I've had people show up show up in my house. It's you know, the older I get, the more important it is this sort of maintain that anonymity. And you know, I hope successful blows up and gets huge. And I hope that I have that problem. Like I hope that I have the problem of like fending off stalkers. Like uh, I definitely would want to see that level of success for Silo. But it's like if I can mitigate some of that because I've I've, I've in previous projects, I've gotten to a point where I was recognizable and I did start getting like that little bit of a creep, creepiness and insanity from, from the fan base at the time. And so I just know from experience, I'm like, well, if, if Silo's going to get as big as I am hoping it'll get, I'm probably going to do some damage control on the front end. Yeah. Just push it all towards me. And, you know, we try to keep it, we try to keep it about the music too. You know, that's a, sort of a cop-out answer, but there's something to that, you know? Of course, you know, there's, like you said, there's always people who are going to cross that line of privacy and, and personal space and whatnot. But at the end of the day, you know, we're just four guys who try to laugh as much as we can and make music that, you know, we want to hear that, <clears throat> excuse me, hasn't existed. So, you know, not in the way we are doing it. And, uh, you know, Again, like you said, there's ways to find us on credits and whatnot, but uh, anybody's going to have to really dig. Have you thought of coming up with pseudonyms? Yeah. 
Yeah, we thought about like uh, it's like a Slipknot did the number thing, and then you know other bands do the nickname thing. Like we definitely have nicknames for each other, and we we toyed around with the idea of like having a consistent naming convention and a background story. But ultimately, at least my perspective of it, uh, and Matt, feel free to like tell me if you think differently. But but you've kind of already mentioned to mentioned it, or you alluded to it. It's like we don't really putting ourselves out there at the at the front at the front of this like the music's what should come first and that's why like you know you go to our website you don't seem like oh each one of us has a bio and it talks about our gear and where what hometown we're from and all that stuff which you know i understand i understand bands do that because it gives people something to gravitate towards but we're trying to 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 we're trying to do that through other means. Like Matt's a great story writer, great script writer. So we so we put out these blogs that like tell these elaborate stories that, that are you know very narrative and like fun to read, you know, and just. But it's more it's more about the funness of it. It's more about the music, and it always circles it back around to the music. But yeah, I just I personally like I don't I don't see the need of having you know like. Uh, you know, detailed information about each one of us out there for everyone to just hang on to, right? Keep keeping the focus on the music. I think that's what's really cool too, is that it has banded us behind something that's a little bit bigger than each one of us. You know, no one in this is individually seeking fame in that regard. You know, it's really about let's make something cool. And if people vibe with it, then even better, you know, yeah. and if it someday turns into the machine that, you know, pays everyone's bills and keeps us on the road and doing what we do with this newfound family. I mean, that that's the dream. You know, sometimes we got to pinch ourselves and I got to look around and go, guys, we're in a studio making rock music and singing country lyrics. And, you know, this guy's trying to figure out how to play a banjo and how the hell do you rosin a bow for a fiddle? You know, all these things that, you know, seem somewhat surreal. You know, the dream is happening. And it's not about Matt or Brian or Adrian or Eric or, or Seth, you know, it's about silo and it's about, you know, kind of what we get back from, you know, the fans and the, uh, you know, the, the feedback is really kind of driving this too. Um, like I said, it's just, we want to make stuff that we haven't heard in a genre that has somewhat existed and people have these satellite ideas of what, you know, we, we've gotten every comparison and everybody's saying, oh, you guys think you invented this? Well, what about Hank 3? What about Texas Hippie Coalition? They start throwing all these things. They're like, we're, we love that. That's part of the reason why we're doing this. We just haven't heard it done on, you know, with the same sort of sterling, you know, sound and very um, uh, direct, you know, songwriting structure that we use. You know, these are these are pop song structures that we use that are very uh, universal. And it's not like we shy away from that, but at the same time, we're like more chugs. How can, you know, is it too country metal that fucker up? Is it too heavy? How, you know, we got to, they're always telling me when I'm in the studio, more ham, you know, cause I got to put on the Sam Elliott voice and kind of, you know, throw some, throw some twang on it. And uh, that's, that's what has been so fun about this is kind of us exploring what this genre is, you know, and somewhat creating this regional sound. And with that, again, it's about the band. And I've always loved the idea of being in a hardcore country band. And, you know, my brothers to the left and right of me, everybody's in bandanas, like outlaws. 
you know, so really it was about the outlaw gang in, instead of the individual outlaw to an extent. So uh, that's why it's been, you know, really interesting to kind of kind of play with this whole thing. And uh, yeah, I don't know what Brian wants to add, but. Nailed it. You covered like five topics. <laughs> your, uh, your video for Warpaint, I definitely got the outlaw gang feel as opposed to four individuals. You know, it, it cool. really came across as that. And the music does too, but I mean, the video really just cemented that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, except for the hanging upside down part. I probably won't do that again. <laughs> What's so funny, man, is that it, it, it was such a small piece of that video. You know, only mere seconds am I singing upside down, hanging by the ropes in the barn. But I swear I was upside down for like five hours, just going <laughs> up and down, trying to, trying to get this thing and everybody going, holy shit, how's he doing that? Well, you know, we had somebody that write us in and they said, you know what, the, the, the true winner of this video was his hat staying on that whole time. <laughs> was it fastened with anything? No, I just have a big head. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it barely fit to begin with, but I have a big enough, I don't know if you can see in the snapback, I only have three buttons done. But especially when my hair is longer, it adds like a whole extra size, you know, on a hat. So it just happened to work out perfectly that I could knock it down pretty good. And then we throw me upside down off the ladder and they would pull out away and set the camera and play the song and go. But yeah, probably no more upside down. So uh, in a music video, we don't hear what you're actually singing or playing on set. You play the track over it but were you able to actually sing that way upside down? Yeah. Um, and the first, you know, I had never shot a music video before glitter and gold was my first music video ever. And I started one of the takes and they'd finished it and they reset the, the dolly and everything. And one of the grips comes up to me, he goes, are you actually singing? And I was like, well, yeah, that's me on the song. He goes, no, 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 no. Like here for the video, are you actually singing? And I said, no, I'm lip syncing. He goes, we can tell. So he goes, try just singing along with it. You don't have to go full voice. You don't have to try to hit all your notes or anything. But if you're actually singing or even speaking it, it just looks more authentic. So I would say probably 99% of the time, you will actually see me singing to nothing on those videos, uh, trying to link up and remember the words that I wrote. <laughs> Conversely, I'm sure if you plug in my guitar, it would sound like trash. <laughs> <laughs> because Adrian and Eric and I we're just jumping around so much to get you know the effect for the video that we're rocking out. It's like we're barely playing the right notes because we're almost like overexerting ourselves. I mean, we're playing it. We know how to play the song, but it's just so funny. Like when you record a music video, you're like you care more about like your your motions and your choreography and like your 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 overall like aesthetic than you do about playing. Because when you look at the music video. Like the shots are so quick, it's like there's no way in hell. Like, oh, someone's gonna look at that and say, oh, his his finger was not in the right spot. Like, you know. So we just kind of like throw ambitions out the window. We're just like, let's rock out. So I'm sure if you plugged in our guitars during the, our music video shoot, it would sound like ass. It'd be really funny, actually. Yeah. The uh, the glitter and gold video when we did the solo uh, on the gold Telecaster, which Brian and I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, I was actually playing that solo there, but in order to look more cinematic and have all the strings pop, we just put uh, E strings, I think, E gold, you know, strings on okay. every single 
on every single uh, nut. So there's six gold E-strings that are just fat and they look good on the camera, but it wasn't, <laughs> what I was playing was how I learned to play that solo that I didn't even record. And uh, we played it back at one point and what I was playing was just ridiculous. It was pretty funny sounding. Like he said, if you actually had all of our, all of our instruments or anything plugged in, it would just be mayhem. They'd be like, what are these guys doing? <laughs> but yeah, did that answer the question? I'm usually yeah. singing in the video. You know, I'm not live tracking, obviously, but trying to lip sync well enough and perform, you know, in some way that is believable so that it looks like I'm emoting, but also that it does look like the words are coming out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah, if you, I, I learned a long time ago, if you're just, if you're just trying to lip sync, you're all focused in the mask, you know, which is not where most people sing from, you know. So if you actually sing it, even if you're barely audible, you know, you're actually enunciating the syllables. You're, you're getting things out the right way, you know, in the way that you would actually sing it. So it looks more realistic. Yeah, I got a shout out to uh, Ryan at LSI for giving me that little nod in that first video. Otherwise, I would have still been lip syncing. They would have started calling me Matty Vanilli or something. <laughs> okay, I'm going to write that down because that's actually a pretty good one. <laughs> well, so, you know, maybe uh, after you guys are huge, you come back and you talk to me again when you're working on your second album. I'm going to bring up Matty Vanilli. Yeah, and I'll lip sync something funny for you to do it. <laughs> or maybe we do a funny video. We'll put that in the list of the music video ideas. <laughs> Oh, you guys could do that, you know, with the side-by-side -side dancing, you know, the sideways dancing that they oh, did. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brian's a good dancer. Do a hardcore country version of Girl, You Know It's True. <laughs> don't get us started on covers. We got oh, man, what a trip. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually one of my questions, and we're kind of jumping around here, but um, I wanted to ask you do, you, do you play covers when you're performing, and which ones? Well, we actually recorded two in the studio with the intention of like, ah, oh, we're gonna include a cover on our first album release. Uh, which one of them didn't turn out great, and the other one turned out really good, but we don't think it's gonna like appeal. Uh, and really, like, we want to come out of the gate like all silo, right? It's like, hey, here's our album. This is who we are. We don't want to bank on the fame of doing a cover song. There's been lots of bands do that, right? And some of them have actually like destroyed their career, or um, you know, people never really saw through the cover and really you know listened to the. I've seen so many bands where like they put, they came out of the gate with their first album, and then they put a cover on, and everyone gravitated toward the cover and essentially neglected the rest of their album. But we will definitely be doing hardcore country covers and releasing them because. There's so many heavy songs out there that could be justified by doing a country version of, and there's so many country songs out there that can be justified by doing a metal version of, and we feel like we have a pretty good list of options of songs that we'd like to do and, and sort of come out with our silo flavor on them. But yeah, the, the two that we did, eh, they might see the light of day someday, but um, yeah, we didn't think they were appropriate for the first, first album. Well, and, you know, on the inverse of that, I had, I had really loved the idea of doing these covers because it was an expedited way for us to be able to add an additional song or two to, to the record. And 
turns out we ended up writing enough songs fast enough that we were like, we actually don't need them. You know, if we could do a whole, you know, debut of just silo songs, you know, originals, why, why wouldn't we, you know, explore that route and then always keep some of these covers in the back pocket. You know, we can always release them as singles later, do videos for them, you know, trying to target the virality of, you know, some of the, some of these songs, some of them are kind of absurd. You would not expect us to do it, but they did turn out pretty awesome. But like, yeah. Like what? what would be one of the absurd ones? <laughs> well, we, well, we won't have to bring up the first one because that was my, I didn't do it very well. Uh, but the second one we hit was one of our band members did a hardcore version of Katy Perry's Dark Horse. Um, Actually, I can, I can imagine that. that. That would be pretty good. And it came out really well. It came out really good. We debated releasing it, but the the problem there is, uh, it isn't. It doesn't. It's not going to reach the demographic that we're trying to reach because, yeah, it's it's hardcore and, it, and it's country and it, and it, and it's of our sound. But people that either listen to country with the occasional metal or listen to metal with the occasional country, none of them listen to Katy Perry, <laughs> and and every and the people who listen to Katy Perry don't really listen to metal or country so it's kind of like uh like it'd be it'd be putting a square peg in the country right yeah (laughs) yeah uh and I I honestly think we will release that one at some point just because it is it is so cool and we did a really good job on it but I think we all agree that like if we're going to put out a cover like we're going to do something that country and metal fans like are going to appreciate without a doubt I don't know. Uh, for, you, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say the the other one that we attempted was um. You remember the band Live from the nineties? Oh yeah. Of course you do. Um, I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, the song "I Alone." Yep. That was I a alone, damn you! I alone. We we did a country metal cover of, of that song, and you know we were all stoked about it at first, but then when we started writing more of our originals and we're just like, man, these, these blow that cover out of the water. And we're just like, we, we can't release this cover. And again, sort of the same problem. It's like, yeah, that, that was a nineties alternative rock hit or however you want to label it. And it doesn't, don't necessarily know if it would appeal to country heads or metal heads. So just kind of went back to the drawing board on it. Well, I think, I think that probably would because I mean it was it was alternative new metal, but it also had a big pop crossover. So you, you know, and I, I hate to kind of draw this gender line, but it was very popular with women, you know. And I think that might get you some more women checking you out, checking out your band and the music, you know, not so much checking you guys out. Um, but yeah. According to our Spotify statistics, we're about 50-50 these days. Oh, that's great. I know. It was really that skewed at first. We were looking at some of these metrics going, wow, we are 98% guys. Well, guess that's who we're targeting to. And the last the last two songs, whether it's War Paint and After Midnight, have definitely pushed the demographics way closer. So we're excited about that. Well, I, I want to ask you about after midnight and I want to ask you about specifics of the songs, but if you don't mind me throwing in my two cents, I think your instincts on holding off on the covers were right. Um, I do a lot of covers on my show, but 2020, so many musicians are stuck in the house and they're doing covers and covers and Mm -hmm. covers ad nauseum, you know, and you got 
um, Sammy Hagar and the Circle doing a whole album of covers, which are all great, but that's Sammy, Sammy Hagar and the Circle. You know, and then you got all these other artists that are also really good artists, maybe not doing the best covers, maybe doing great covers, but we're just kind of cover saturated for a little bit. You know, I think Miley Cyrus putting out a Metallica covers album, you know, something's wrong. Yeah. (laughs) I'm curious, though. I'm really curious. I I love both of those artists. I love Miley. I love me some Miley. (laughs) You know, I'm all Metallica. That's how I got through a lot of summer schools. I used to laugh at Miley because of the Hannah Montana stuff. But the more of her music I listen to, the more I respect her as a musician. You know, Wrecking Ball would just really caught my attention. And and then a lot of stuff I've heard after that, I'm like, wow, she's actually really good. I would love to do hardcore country cover of Wrecking Ball for sure. But then again, you know, that's one of those things like, "Eh, it falls into that pop realm. I don't know if we're going to, you know, bridge the gap. See, I'm all about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about it. But I have to, you know, take a step back. And these guys are the ones who have this this uh this idea for hardcore country and really kind of keeping that chain of command in in some respect is really what's you know i think driving the success of this is that it's unified behind a voice and a vision and you you can really saturate yourself and get into odd areas and you know we can explore that at some point but right now we still are trying to discover in a way who silo are and you know what we're about in terms of you know, songwriters and what the sound is. And I'm thrilled that, you know, your response to the debut album has been so positive, Pariah, you know, so thank you. Uh, Cause that just hopefully is, you know, that many other people will feel that way too about it. Well, I honestly think, I mean, if you wanted to pursue something like Wrecking Ball, you're, this album could get the attention of somebody at Miley Cyrus's level. I mean, you could get her duetting with, you know, duetting a cover with you. I'm pretty, I'm pretty yeah. sure the guy that masters our album, like masters for Miley Cyrus. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, so I'm, do you know who Ted Jensen is? No. Oh man, he's he's famous in the sound engineering world, but he he did um, everything from Appetite for Destruction to, I mean, he's worked with Skinner, with Breaking Benjamin, and. I think Avenged Sevenfold and I've seen Bring Me the Horizon in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean he's uh he's definitely got his hands in a lot of amazing material out of Nashville. So yeah. Ted at Sterling Sound, we love you guys. They make us sound like we know what we're doing. We spared we spared no expense. We spared no time and we spared no expense making Silo happen. Like we we're we're in it to win it. When I when I first started getting with these guys, I'm like, you know, I was in it, I was in the band before we did the tour thing we did the album thing and i was like but i, I you know I, I never really felt like i've reached a point where i was satisfied like i always wanted to take a band and just balls to the wall and it's like eh, now that i'm a little bit older i've always wanted to do this hardcore country thing like i just woke up one day here this past year and was like you know what fuck it i'm gonna do it and i'm i've just been investing all this time and money and energy and i've just been running a million miles an hour and i, I wake up every day and like guys what are we doing next we're shooting a music video we're gonna like create some social media we're gonna like go do a radio interview with our boy pariah like what's somebody up? Did somebody mm-hmm. try to get miley cyrus on the phone right. all of it well you know what's funny is um i already started the overtures it was like if she's gonna do a metallica covers album i want to talk to her on the air 
So, you know, I've already started reaching out and doing the negotiation with, you know, the, all that process. And, you know, and when you're at her level, there's multiple people you got to go through. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe I'll bring you guys, if I get her on the air, maybe I'll bring you guys on and maybe you can do like an impromptu duet and Brian play guitar or something. <laughs> if, you know, you can come out with a couple of bars of Wrecking Ball. Please. <laughs> Please, please. Oh. Miley, if you ever see this, please, please, please. Just, just say, Miley, if there's anyone you ever work with of all the people I've ever interviewed or had on my show, Silo's going to be the one. Pointer in our direction. Well, Link. You know, you should probably just send a copy of your disc to her. You, uh, just say, no, hey, got an idea for a wrecking ball cover or, you know, if you're interested in something else. I feel I like that. there's a laundry list of people I would love to send a record to, uh, and we definitely, we definitely have plans to send a record to other, other entities. Like uh, we talked about uh, attaching our album to a blow-up doll and sending it to Sirius XM Octane, and like you know to their headquarters. They they got a PO box that you can like send stuff to. And it's like, how many bands a week like just send their album there, and it probably gets thrown in the trash. So we're like. Yeah, maybe if we send a solo blow up doll, like they'll get their attention. We've thought about stuff like that, but I I can tell you gimmicks get attention. So I get some weeks almost a hundred new songs a week mm. sent wow. to me. Um, and I found you guys because I was just I was in uh, some group on Facebook. It might have been the the hard heavy and hair group. I have a a group where you know fans of the music talk. And I was just asking, you know, so what's different are you into? What, you know, what have you heard that's really cool? And somebody says, well, when Silo comes out, they're going to change everything. Oh, really? really? And I heard, awesome. I'm like, okay, Silo. And then, you know, I go and I find you, I find your Facebook page. And then I found the, the video for Glitter and Gold. And that's when I reached out. It was like, why aren't you on my air? You have to be on my air. That's awesome. Um, I would love to know who said that comment. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was a couple of months ago. I don't think I could even yeah. find it. Yeah. Well, either way, oh. we love that. That was very, very, uh, very flattering. First of all, Pry, when you get a chance, you need to send us your address so we can send you some silo swag. And if you ever do come across the person that told you about us, I'd like to send them some, some swag too. I'll, I'll see if I can find them. I mean... It's a long shot, but I'll see. Chances are it's probably one of our like top fans, and they've, we've already sent him swag. <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, we're slowly growing our fan base. I don't think we're doing too bad, considering like we've really only put our our first our first song went live on all the streaming platforms on October fourth. We released our music video like I think a week or two after that, uh, which means like we didn't exist to the world until mid October. Yeah. So if you think, you know, mid-October to now, like, we've just got, we're just getting started, Pariah. Like, and you know, we don't have a huge t Twitter following, we don't have a huge Instagram, Facebook following, but it's it's snowballing, and we're excited. It is, and you guys came out right before a massive election when when the whole news cycle was, uh, you know, consumed by politics, and then what happened in November just kept that, you know, politics at the top of the news cycle for the next three months. And, you know, here you are, you know, I'm looking at your, your Spotify numbers and they look pretty damn good for just coming out. Um, 
you know well, what's and, ironic is i think we're i think we're down in the teens now we were up to like thirty thousand monthly listeners there i think yeah we saw 30 35 000 monthly listeners on but we, we just put out after of, midnight and it's, it's that, going back up yeah that's growing and you when did you release after midnight oh last friday friday so february 5th yes um yeah so spotify says you get 2500 listens since then um, and, you know, for the people who are listening at home, that's five days ago as we're recording this. So that's pretty good. We'll take it. Now, I wish I had a couple of zeros on it, but, you know, we'll, still, we'll take it. <laughs> we'll get there. I'm just hoping I get to be in the band. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so one other thing I wanted to say about covers so I don't know if you've listened to my show, but I do a segment on almost every show. Some shows are, you know, like the Valentine show is a special show. I do a segment called Cover Song of the Week, where I play a hard rock or a metal or a hairband cover version of some other song, whatever genre the other song happens to come from. And I drop hints throughout the show. It's, it's kind of a game. It's a mystery that runs throughout the show. And then I play the cover back to back with the original. And I've had like Britney Spears originals. I've had Lead Belly, Black Betty, you know, from back in 36 uh, or 1936. We're getting close to 2036. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah, if you guys decide to record a cover, I hope consider letting me break it because I would definitely put it in the, the cover song. We of the should week. just give you a dark, dark horse and then let, let, you, let you run with it, see what happens. We're not going to release it on streaming platforms, I don't think, but it'd be interesting if, like, you aired it and all of a sudden, like, everyone was like, oh, where can I hear this song? Then it's like we'd be forced to put it out there somewhere. Yeah, release it as a non-album single. It'd be interesting. We send it to him just so we can hear it. At least, yeah. Yeah. Because if it leaks and goes big, whoops. <laughs> Someone yeah. talk Katy Perry. Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, um, so the Hard Heavy and Hair Show airs on five continents, and I'm on FM, I'm on AM, I'm on internet stations, including um, the biggest markets, New York, LA, London. I mean, I'm on the air in Jamaica and Hong Kong, if you can believe that. Incredible. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. If something happened to get leaked, you know, if it found its way to my inbox and there was no do not play this embargo, you know, or don't play this until. This message will self-destruct. Yeah. yeah. Definitely don't let Katy Perry hear this amazing cover of her song. Just right there. Do, do not let her hear it under any circumstance. Yeah. So, well. Um, if that happens, you know, if something just happens to show up, if I, uh, you know, get something from a bunch of bandit masked headbangers, you know, how, that's how you describe yourselves on the website. Yeah, if we don't release it, then how are people going to shazam it? That's true. <laughs> I, I think, I think you can register it with the, there's some way that the ID, the, the musical ID and everything can get transferred to Shazam without it actually being released. Um, huh. And I tell you that because, and, and I'll just probably cut this from the interview, but one of the tracks you sent me, the metadata didn't come through. So I Shazammed uh -huh. it to get the title. 
Interesting. So, you know, before your album was out, I got the Shazam data for eight seconds. Would that would that have been the song Pistol Whipped? Do you remember? They said eight seconds. Eight seconds. Oh, eight seconds. Oh, I'm sorry. Interesting. I wonder why that is. Well, so truth be told, like, yeah, I told I, I totally understand the metadata. And the thing with metadata is though, when you upload it for distribution, when you upload your WAV files for distribution, all that metadata gets overridden by those distribution systems. So like when songs actually go live across streaming platforms and download platforms, if you're able to like, you know, buy it on iTunes or whatever, it comes downloaded with like completely different metadata. Oh. I don't know any of this, Pariah. None of it. I just write the words. Uh, Metadata is really important to radio and, you know, and everything I do. Um, I've actually written how-to guides on how to get your metadata in your music mm-hmm. because I get so much. So I get so much music every week. I just all, you know, I, I dump it all into this digital inbox with the, the music management system I use. And then I listen to everything. And a lot of times I'll transfer stuff to my phone and listen to it in the car, you know, as I'm figuring out what I'm going to play for the next show. And so many tracks come through as blank or some music promoter thinks it's cute to put the genre in the album name, <laughs> you know, or, um, or I'll get the artist and the title of the track reversed, right. which is not always obvious. You know, I mean, it, you, you can't always tell which is which. And I've actually aired a song. I got bit. I, I aired a song once where the, the title and the, and the artist's name had gotten reversed. And I heard back from BMI and, and I get yelled at for it. Because oh, um, the royalties couldn't get paid correctly because of the way it came through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and so many of these bands, you, your metadata was great. Except for that one song, I don't know what happened, but the metadata yeah, that is weird. Hmm. Yeah, dude, it's I do. I tell you, to be they make it tough to be a musician these days. And I, I mean, I've, I've been doing this for like the better part of a couple of decades, like doing the music thing or whatever. It's like I'm always learning something new, or something's changing, right? Like, I think most musicians don't even know the concept of metadata. They don't know the concept of adding their music to BMI or ASCAP. They don't know what sound exchange is. They don't know how to trademark their name. You can't copyright a band name, but you like you should trademark your band name. Right. Um, they don't know how to, to register their songs with copyright.gov. And what what's what sucks is one, most musicians don't know to do that. And if they ever take off, like they're they're left in the dust or they're screwed over, they don't collect their royalties. Or a lot of artists like they don't get off the ground because they're not collecting all of their royalties, or people are not finding them because they're their house is not in order you know what i mean it makes me sad to think about that but like i've had to learn the hard way i've had to like research and research and research and I was, it, it costs money it costs copious amounts of money to to trademark shit to to register copyrights yeah it's crazy and then and you know then you're always like and then you're always left like left with this feeling of like did i do everything right bmi sound exchange copyright.gov yeah. trademark a, a trick I learned is if you're if you're tight on money, don't copyright every song. Copyright the whole album as a collection, and then you just file one application for right. it. Right. Um, but yeah, um, the trademark thing I think is going to be heating up. So 
given what I do, I listen to a lot of hard rock. I listen to a lot of metal. I, I like almost everything. I don't like a lot of modern hip hop, but I like old country. I like dark country, you know, um, but anyway, so I listen to a lot of hard rock and, you know, especially if I'm prepping for an interview and if I'm on the go, I'll just pull up Spotify. So Spotify has learned I like hard rock. So I'm listening and you guys know who the cult is, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm listening and then the little reader on the car dash says the cult and it's hip hop. Mm. And I'm like, uh, no, next track, another the cult hip hop. Then I just interviewed a metal band called Banshee. And again, when I was driving, I pulled up their music on Spotify and it was EDM from this, um, this woman who does kind of ethereal vo voiceovers to the spoken word voiceovers to the EDM. And it turns out it's a new trend among hip hop and EDM artists, mostly the self-published young ones to take older hard rock and recognizable metal band names and then use those same names to try and get some stealth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see sense. that for sure. Well, that's so, lame. That is lame. It uh, is. The, the thing that I've seen uh, that grinds my gears is, so we use DistroKid for distribution and everyone has an opinion like, oh, TuneCore's better or, you know, CD Baby or whatever, but DistroKid Distro Kids always been my go-to just because it's ease of use. They don't take a uh, percentage of your royalties. You only just pay for their subscription and it's cheap. But anyway, like you release a song through Distro Kid, like they push it out to Apple Music, awesome. They push it out to Spotify, awesome. You can manage your Spotify profile, you know, awesome. They send it out to uh, like a hundred other retailers, awesome. But but when it gets to certain places like Amazon, for example, Amazon Music, just it get so once it's in Amazon Music, for whatever reason, Amazon can't gather that you're one entity and the songs that you've released are a part of the same collection. And that you're, I'm just, I'm just gonna use Silo like Silo is one band. It's crazy if you go over to Amazon Music and you were able to pull up Glitter and Gold, our song, or War Paint, you can see that's like, ah, oh, artist Silo, but you click artist Silo and it like comes up with all this other crap. There's no artist page over there. It's like there's other artists named Silo and there's songs named Silo and there's all, it's just messed up. And there's a couple platforms that do that, but it's like you would think that they would have this shit figured out by now. You would think so, unless they're doing it on purpose to try and sell other product or keep you on the site longer. Something. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past them. Dang it, Amazon. Now I'm like, y'all are smart. <laughs> um. I, I hate to praise Spotify for anything because of how little they actually pay artists, but I do like how zero, I can... 0.0008% zero, zero, yeah. per song play, something like that. Yeah, like that, that meme going around, you know, with the $2 check. 10 yeah. years on Spotify, I finally made it. You know? Yes. <laughs> but I do like how their search works, you know, and then they show an image. I see your silo or the, um, the cover of the album with the, the woman and the silo logo. Yeah. You know, so I can immediately identify you guys. Um, you know, I, I do like that. We weren't, and, we weren't the first result for silo on Spotify for a while, but I think we are now. Well, let me look. I don't know if my previous search history will make a difference, but. Yeah, top result, 
top result is your black and white logo. And then I uh, love it. And then below it, I see glitter and gold and war paint. Then I see the songs silo by Rabia Massad and Angel T33TH. Slowly but surely, we're, um, we, we weren't even on the radar on YouTube search for any of our music videos. Uh, like you had to explicitly like put in silo, glitter and gold music video. And now if you just type in silo with a third result, but that's only because there's like two videos ahead of us about, I think they're paintball videos. And there's something like silo brand or silo like war related. Oh uh, yeah, silo entertainment's like an airsoft company. And they've got a oh, huge yeah. following of these airsoft videos, which is kind of cool, you know? Those guys should put some silo music to their uh, airsoft I'm, war videos. I'm, I'm confident that we're gonna be the number one result for the word silo on YouTube here very soon. Yeah. You could put pistol whip to a, um, an airsoft commercial. That'd be cool. We want the song Eight Seconds to be the, the rodeo anthem. By professional bull riding and, you know, any of those guys. I mean, they're incredible athletes. I mean, that was a fun song because we kind of looked at each other and we're like, we need something that's about the rodeo and something that feels, you know, musically what it's probably like to get roped to a 2,000 pound bull is trying to stomp you out. And uh, that was a lot of fun. That's one of my favorite pre-choruses, you know, into a chorus that we have on any of the songs on the whole album. Pride, did you know that the breakdown at the end of that song is exactly eight seconds? No, but that's, a, yes. that's interesting. I'm gonna have to so listen. when you hear Let Him Go, that whole, you know, chug section, we timed it exactly eight seconds to really hear how long that is on a bull. And it's a lot longer than you think. <laughs> I've, I've only done mechanical bulls. And I, you know, I haven't done the real thing, but that's a long time. I was, I'm almost half expecting them to tell me to get on one for the next video. <laughs> would you? Mechanical or real? I'd get on a real bull. Yeah, I would. For the video? Yeah. You guys, you guys have Matt insured, right? <laughs> they said so. That's why I got upside down in the barn. <laughs> Yeah, the production company for sure did. Uh, we got to double check my policy with the band. But yeah, I mean, they've got bull riding schools here and I've seen complete layman's get on them after a couple of hours. And, you know, it's scary. Uh, but if you've got the right training and everything, I've, you know, I told myself I would do it because I wouldn't let anybody on this project do anything that I wasn't willing to do myself. So if that came to it and professional bull riding came and, you know, said, hey, we love this song. It'd be a great promo for you to get on a bowl for a feature. I'd, you know, I'd go through the training. I'd have to, you know, get a couple of guys to tell me what to do and really go through it, make sure that I'm working out and in shape. I would cut a check to a CGI guy to like, hey, make it look real. I'll get, I'll get on a green, I'll get on a green bowl, green, put the green stuff over my head, and we'll just put my face on it. We know a visual effects artist too, so. Yeah, I, I would do it for the in-camera part, but again, like I said, there's a there's a small chain of command here, so I gotta listen to what Brian's gonna let me do. <laughs> um, it's not very I hardcore think... country to be stuck in a wheelchair, I suppose, you know, from that, but yeah. gosh, you know, I would do it. I'm an adrenaline junkie though. I'm a you know, snowboarder and motorcycles and all that. Have you um, have you played eight seconds for any of the people you know any any of these riders at, at rodeos? 
No, um, we have not on a professional side on, on LinkedIn. Um, I have fortunately been connected with some of the people here in Colorado with professional bull riding. So there's, you know, a warm introduction, but we've been a hundred percent silo and promotion and trying to keep up with our social media and everything and getting all of our fan packs sent out. So, you know, we haven't really been pursuing any of these ancillary license items as of yet. Um, I'm sure all that will come at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what else we could do kind of until the album is out and, you know, the momentum from that kind of carries us. So yeah, we're, we're eager to, you know, talk to anybody that wants to use some of these songs uh, for that purpose. Absolutely. I just want silent condoms. Well, we could probably make that happen. The silo G-strings and, you know. Yeah, the G-strings. Oh, yeah, the panties are going to be a big hit. Do you have, did you have those? Or, cause, I They're mean, in the works. Glittering gold sounds perfect for that. Glittering gold. Uh, yeah. Road hard, get wet. <laughs> you know, there's a couple of them that we think are, uh, are pretty funny. Um, well, I was going to ask about the eight seconds because I really like the – the drum part is almost thrash drums. And I can just imagine, you know, being there on a bull and that, you know, and this driving beat matching your heartbeat. Oh yeah. You know? So I was just curious if anybody had heard it, anybody who did that kind of bull riding, if they'd heard it and what their reaction was, but. Um, yeah, you know, not yet. Comes out, if you guys will tell me, I'm just really curious, you know, just let me know. Yeah, I, not, not yet. And we're really excited to share that. I think, you know how a lot of baseball players and I'm sure the bull riders sort of have like a theme song or like a walk-up song that they have. Um, I'm just hoping that something that we do gets into one of those guys repertoires because it really does to me sound like what it would feel like to be on a bull for eight seconds. That was sort of the, the adrenaline punch and, you know, describing Friday night stadium lights, you know, grip it tight, kind of the whole thing, you know, um, and the, the, the drums, I think, are a big part of what makes that sound so thrash and aggressive, like you said, where people get that, oh, it's carrying me to, you know, a, a point of, you know, aggression that's building and building and building. And then we cut it off at eight seconds, which, you know, that's all by design, it's sort of the rhythm and release of, the, of these sounds. Um, but yeah, that was a fun one to do. No, it's not about how long Matt lasts in the bedroom. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. That song will be called Two Seconds. You, you know this is recorded and going on the air, right? So, you know, dating yeah, possibilities. Please, please use those sound bites. My, girl, my girlfriend, does it. make sure all the metadata is clean on that, but, you know, my girlfriend avouch. It's at least nine seconds. <laughs> nine pump chump. Nine, nine pump chump. That's um, so funny. So was there an, the song Pistol Whipped? Was there an inspiration for that? Are the lyrics about anything in particular or sorry, anyone in particular? Um, you know, yes and no and everything. I mean, I guess, you know, we write songs based on what we know. and We write riffs on how we feel. And, uh, you know, to an extent, everything is drawn on personal experience. But really, once the inspiration has come through, we take on much more universal themes. The fun thing about Pistol Whipped is um, I like flowers and 
this is a whole play on, you know, a pistol not only being a gun, but also the pistol is the sexual reproductive organ of a flower. You know, so pistol lipped sort of is not only the, there's a lot of subtext into, you know, and, and layers to that, but it's really about addiction at, when you boil it down. Um, it's addiction to love, sex, drugs, whatever. Um, whatever these things are that sort of consume you to the point where, you know, you'd rather have that than anything else. And um, so, I mean, the lyrics, so it's, you know, baby rise, take your aim, you know, shoot me up, load the vein, squeeze the trigger, ease my pain. You know, there's all these images of, we're talking about guns, but we're also talking about, you know, drugs or addiction. But really, you know, so many of these silo songs are about girls and women and love, because I mean, that's a lot of what we know and write about. So, yes, I mean, it's about real things and people, but um, talking about this and, you know, love is the drug. And at some point, you know, fire away. There's nothing left for you to say, you know, fire away. I'm all strung out on you again. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it, like, you know, it's not specifically about any one relationship, but it's supposed to be about everybody's relationships, you know? Um, and then we, we draw a lot of inspiration for that. And then of course I have a lot of fun with it being, you know, not only pistol lipped, like you're actually smacked with the gun, but also pussy whipped in a way, because we're talking about the pistol part of the flower. So um, there's a lot of lyrical subtext. And as Brian mentioned, um, I got my start as a writer. So, you know, there's a lot of novel nods and lyrical meanings and, and, uh, you know, kind of sub layers that, that a lot of these songs have where we not only have this amazing aesthetic for being outlaw metal um, with guns and pistols and bandanas and all that, but also this other element of, you know, talking about baby or girls and, you know, kind of, you know, throwing a little sex sells element in there. So, uh, yeah, it's not about anyone particular. It's about something particular, which is not just, you know, sex or drugs or alcohol or love or work or whatever is an addiction that, you know, everybody um, can identify with, but there's, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of subtext to it. And really we're trying to, we're trying to write songs that are catchy and memorable. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like when people go, I haven't stopped singing this all day. Like I can't get your fucking lyric out of my head. I'm like, well, that's kind of good. That's what we want. It's, it was by design that way. You know, these songs are written f- with that in mind. So I mean, it's sort of a long-winded answer for Pistol Whipped, but I do love that song. I want to set it to an old, you know, Western or something for a video, which would be really cool. Here's what I tell you about Pistol Whipped. Audiophiles are going to hate it. And they're going to hate it because when Ted Jensen was mastering that sucker, he blew it out of the water. Like, I don't think I have to tell you, Pariah, just, but for anyone listening, like, when you master an album, like, your objective is to get it to sound good on all musical formats or musical platforms and get it at, at volume to where it's the highest you can get it across all of those. And Ted Jensen, I think he, I think Matt, you were even, you were saying at some point, like, he was even, like, part of, like, the original, like, Apple Music and setting up how music should be streamed or mastered. Yeah, he's involved with the Apple Music or the iTunes um, in some capacity, I saw, sort of how that sound was developed and how they, um, I don't know what they use, compression or whatever the, the 
the sound code is uh, through Apple Music. So everything on Apple sounds really good. But with Pistol Whip, so Ted, Ted mastered the whole album. But with Pistol Whip ex- explicitly, like probably next time you listen to an album, just like listen through it. When you get the Pistol Whip, you'll notice it now that I've said this. Like it is loud as fuck. It is like, it, you think your speakers are going to explode. Like almost where it's like, it's almost like clipping the whole time. I actually can't listen to that damn song anymore just because of that. Cause I'm like, ugh. Uh, like it's a great song it's catchy as hell don't get me wrong i love it to death but just because it's mastered so loud i'm just like oh god next song skip <laughs> see i listen to it all the time <laughs> i listen to it loud all the time yeah but matt's like everything sounds good put it on the radio oh yeah i'll hear the first mix of something they're like oh man this really has to be you know really done better and i go put that shit on the radio but again, that's my inexperience, Pariah. You know, I came out this being a home songwriter, you know, trying to just cut little demos or learn how to, you know, play an acoustic and write some lyrics and put it over a song. And maybe someday, you know, somebody would bring us in or give us a publishing deal so that I could write some songs for a big artist, you know? That yeah. was kind of, I always wanted to be sort of the studio writer or one of those uh, just, you know, Nashville staff writer or something. And uh, but I also had the other side of I always wanted to be in a rock band. And this is, you know, a nice meld of both of those worlds. So, yeah, of course, I hear a first mix come out. I'm like, that's amazing. Put it on the radio. Let's distribute it. And they're like, no, 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 no. You have to understand there's going to be a few more iterations of this. And I have to practice a little patience. He's excited. I do get excited <laughs> about it. Well, it's good that you're excited by your music. I am, man. Uh, I don't know how, you know, some of these other guys feel. They probably get sick of it, but I am excited in that this is something that I want to listen to and it's taking me a lot of time to get sick of the songs. You know, we listen to them as most musicians know. We'll probably listen to them hundreds and hundreds of times before they'll ever see the light of day to the public, you know, or particularly war paint, you know. I it's almost like PTSD at this point we're hanging upside down trying to sing <laughs> certain parts of that song uh, especially because the director knew he was going to have it only at the end but for some reason I always had me start at the beginning whenever I was recording so there's like 90 seconds of me singing the song with it's never even seen you know in the video but uh, yeah I, I love listening to him because it's what I want to hear and it's the music that was missing from my world you know and my Spotify is all metal and rock you know really heavily into guns and roses anyone anyone who says musicians that listen to their music are narcissists or whatever like are full of crap because if you're a musician and you're not writing music that you would listen to then what the hell are you doing (laughs) i listen to music all the time because i'm like shit that's good music (laughs) exactly yeah there are there are some musicians that are just too critical of themselves. They can't go back and listen to their own music without finding every little flaw, you know, but yeah, in my experience, most musicians listen to their music. You know, you, if you don't like it and you're writing it and recording it, how can you expect other people to like it? Right. So what you put out is by definition, probably something you like. Uh, I still find all the flaws and I'm like, ah, gosh, could, could have done that better. There's actually one of our songs. I'm not going to tell, I'm not even going to tell Matt this. I'm not going to yeah. tell Matt which song this is. Yeah, it'll, drive, it'll drive him insane. 
but there on one of our songs it sound there's a sound on there like an elevator opening you know like the ding like the, the elevators make when they open or like when they come to the floor or whatever and every time i listen to one this one particular song or album i hear that damn ding and i'm like freaking elevator <laughs> you should text it to me because i have one that i hear and i'll be listening to the music all the time and there's a part and i don't know if it's the ding you're hearing but i have one section where it sounds like my girlfriend is going hey <laughs> and i'm always like listening <laughs> she's yelling at me in the house oh yeah and it's always Please. the exact same part of that song See, that's why i don't get, get get discouraged because people listen to stuff and like they hear stuff that's not there or they you know, they pick out stuff that other people wouldn't pick out or whatever. So yeah. I'm so proud of it too, because there's a lot of analog sound to this. And we made sure of that. Um, you know, I play acoustic guitar on probably half of the songs. We just usually are like, we need an extra layer, go put down some cowboy chords. And that's all I'm really good for. Um, <laughs> these guys are the, really the, the virtuosos. <laughs> if you, you won't even accept that, but uh, to me, they are. And our producer is, you know, wickedly talented co-writer. But I just think it sounds amazing. I like hearing completely real analog things. I like hearing a, a little squeal from the finger sliding up a string. And, you know, the, the fact that you can hear resonance and that the mics are, are well-placed. I mean, that's just the mark of, you know, a good producer and our engineer. Um, but yeah, I... I, I'm just so proud of this body of work and the fact that I get to do this with my brothers now. It's, uh, it's how many really times have you ever heard of an engine or a, uh, a producer or a sound engineer saying, Well, sure, I gotta be in this band? <laughs> what, well, like, I don't recall anybody off the top of my head other than um, work guy with, Eric. Yeah, oh, yeah, they work with all kinds of musicians on a daily basis, they were producing all kinds of crap, even, even Eric said he's like he's like i produce shit all day long he's like i don't want to be in any of these bands but he's so in love with silo and what we're doing he's like i just he's like silo's all i want to be doing he's like how can we how can we make it to where i do nothing but silo i'm like hang in there man yeah he's a little tired of hip-hop clients but you know they it's a big portion of who's uh, running out studios right now so more power to him and he's so wickedly talented he can do anything he can produce anything he wants and I think, you know, we just lucked out having Brian and Adrian as two of the primary writers. You know, it's their sound. There's one type of sound that we have and the other type of sound with these songs. And then really Eric and I are sort of the, the meat in the middle, if you will, for the, the sandwich piece. And it, it works. Right well, we already know. <laughs> what a big country metal sandwich, Pariah. <laughs> so speaking of the, the hip-hop clients and for for the producer and, and studio what do you so hip-hop is big and and hip-hop is a very big evolving genre um i can't remember his name off the top of my head but the lead singer of maroon five the guy who was doing mm -hmm. america Adam Lambert. Adam, Adam Levine. Levine, yeah. Levine, not Lambert. That's the queen. Yeah. No, Adam Adam Lambert, big rock and roll guy. Um, but yeah, Adam Levine and then um, uh, Gene Simmons both say rock is dead. What do you guys say? Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I saw the greatest meme ever today in regard to that. It was like uh, Gene Simmons says rock is dead, but then it shows pictures of... Uh, 
uh, Kiss merchandise. So like Kiss toilet paper and Kiss condoms, and it's like, all right, who who really killed rock and roll? <laughs> <laughs> merchandise it into the ground with like you know shit or or you know whatever. So literally into the ground, they have a Kiss coffin. Oh, wow. yeah. They have a Kiss everything, and I will say Gene Simmons is a smart mother after for really? doing all that emergency and that's what's one of the primary reasons why kiss got so big and why they have they why they're multi-millionaires like because they put on a good show they have an act they have a a gimmick and they merchandise that gimmick honestly if i'm being real honest like i don't think kiss were that great musicians if you didn't have the flair and the makeup and the and the merchandise and the story behind it, and like it was just a bunch of dudes in some room, in a room looking all normal. Like, yeah, some of it's okay, but it's not like it doesn't like grasp you theatrically, like you know, whatever. But uh, in terms of Gene Simmons as a late saying rock is dead, I think that's the dumbest thing ever. I think he's, I think they're just becoming irrelevant, and so he wanted to stir things up a bit, maybe. <laughs> but uh, I'm all dude. You know, like there's always going to be like some some new gun saying like they're the new hot thing, or some old gun saying that the young the, the young gun is killing the killing the spirit of the true thing or whatever. Like that's a, that's an age old battle. My yeah. person my personal like thing is like I I don't care. Like I just want to put out good music. I don't give two shits. Just like I don't give two shits about the the Morgan Wallen thing and him saying the N word. Like the only times like. Someone's been pinned in the media for, for that, and then like a year later, no one gives a shit. Like, uh, what's what's the other guy? Luke, not Luke Bryan, but Luke Combs. Like, you know, he just did a thing where like you know he like spoke out about equality or whatever. But then people call him out because he had a Confederate flag on his acoustic guitar in one of his pictures, and I'm like, well, he's actually a racist. It's like people just say stuff to stir up, and it's like you can never please anyone. So. I don't even know if Gene Simmons actually even said that. For all we know, it could just be hearsay. Like, I've seen him say it. I just think it's ironic that the guy that said rock is dead turned his rock band into a disco band. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But <laughs> uh-huh. I, I don't think rock is dead. Um, I think that rock is going through a rebirth, you know, like a phoenix. If it has died, it's not for long. If it has died, it's not permanent. Um, and I think rock as they know it is dead. You can no longer just be the degenerate band on Sunset Boulevard playing the whiskey or the Roxy and get discovered by a Geffen. And, you know, now you're on a mega stadium tour. I think those days are probably dead. Um, I think their ability to really understand the way that metrics and social media and the way that the digital medium has changed it. Um, but as long as you still have pioneers of people, you know, like like Dave Grohl on his Neve console recording the two inch tape and trying to preserve sort of the fundamentals of rock. Um, and then, gosh, I mean, you look at the Guns N' Roses tours or Metallica tours or Slipknot. I mean, these are as big as any other show just because the number of radio stations playing this has now been reduced to our hard rock stations and our classic rock stations and alternative doesn't mean it's dead. It just means there's fewer channels that are picking it up. And that's just based on, you know, marketing. I think at some point, a lot of this hip hop, you know, EDM is growing rapidly. 
<clears throat> I think, um, you know, I'm a fan of hip hop. I listen to truly everything. I'm probably the, you know, the poster child for that stereotypical, like, oh, no one actually listens to it. Well, I kind of do, you know, really, really do. Um, and it's like saying classical music is dead, but there's still, you know, the LA Philharmonic playing Schubert symphonies, you know? So is it dead? No. Is it like it was in 1987? No. And I think as long as you kind of understand at what point in time you are on this timeline, you know, I know that as long as Brian and Adrian are going to keep writing the riffs that they do and they let me sing on it, we're not going to let rock die um, for sure. You know, right on. So, you no matter know, the genre, nothing's ever dead because there's always either something's going to become a subculture or it's going to reflourish or it's gonna like turn into another genre even though it's really just a rehash like like uh new metal for example like new metal stemmed out of the 90s but there's bands that are coming out now that are brand new that are they're very influenced by new metal but they're throwing in you know gent aspects and gent's a new genre but even gent's, gents kind of old because it's been it, you know it's been a thing for you know almost a decade now so now people are like oh math core and it's like well what's math core like so there's this like constant evolving of all these genres but i don't think everything anything's really dead as long as there's as long as there's a group of people no matter how small listening to the music and, the, and people are still writing putting out the music is any genre ever really dead i tell you what sure as hell not dead never going to be dead hardcore country baby not as long as we're here we're coming for you we already get shit for that. People are like, y'all, y'all act like you invented hardcore country. And it's like, well, yeah, we, we didn't. Um, there isn't really a genre. Like, you can't go look up hardcore country as a genre right now and see a bunch of bands underneath it. Like, we're the only ones really using the naming convention. Yep. Uh, and our music doesn't sound like anyone else who, you know, would even fall close to that category. And we've already talked about this in the interview, but like, you know, between Hank 3 and Ashtrack and Texas Hippie Coalition and what else is out there? there? I mean, there's a bunch of bands that are like, there's like Thrash Grass is a genre. Barncore. Barncore, Farmcore, Farm Emo, like, there's all that. Um, Barncore was a big thing that came out of Oregon, you know, like 20 years ago. You know, yeah, I, I was playing golf. I'm not originally from here. I've only been here uh, off and on for 20 years. But. Okay. Yeah, I was playing golf with an old buddy of mine who's he's an audiophile. Like, I've, I mean, he's like a Wikipedia. You just tell him anything. He just knows all about that. And he was like, man, I heard you're, you're starting a new music project. And I was like, yeah, it's a hardcore country band. And he looks at me and goes, you mean barncore? And I went, what? <laughs> I've never heard of that before in my life. He goes, yeah, I think it originated out of Oregon. You know, some of the farm towns out of there where they would get together and basically just play really fast metal songs but with country instruments a lot of banjo and washboards you know but at the tempo and and a lot of the you know structures that you'd see in in metal bands are hardcore so again i went and tried to find a bunch of those those groups sure that's what that sounds like but it doesn't sound like silo at all so like i said you guys know i've played your music and i've heard from from some of my listeners on you know, they like you. But I also heard from some of them that if I had, if I had told them what was coming up, 
you know, and I kind of teased you guys. I was like, you know, I got some hardcore country coming up. I got country metal. You got, you know, you're going to like this. But if I had really teased that out a little bit longer, some of my listeners wouldn't have tuned in for it, they said. Once they heard you, they liked your music, but they didn't quite understand what is hardcore country and right. why should I listen yeah. to it when I'm listening to a show that plays oh, yeah. Typical you know, Motley Crue and, and um, Pantera and, uh, you know, Godsmack. Yeah. So how would you, uh, maybe, maybe in terms of a comparison, you know, how would you say fans of this band fans of that artist how would you might like silo how would you put that first of all i totally get like why some of your audience might think that because like the the minute a metalhead hears the word country they're like oh pussies how how dare you like i don't want to mix my mix my metal with anything country related i'm like we get people like that comment all the time we put out ads and we put out memes and we put it you know throw that stuff up on social all the time and we make jokes about it and like you, there's always about one guy in the comment that's like keep your country out of my metal boy and it's like well did you listen there's been a couple times when i'd like reply to that person like well did you actually listen to the music and they would go and they would listen to it and they'd be like i'm sorry this shit's dope and i'm like <laughs> yeah what's up so i totally get it but at the same time like we're using the hardcore country thing because like we're so we have to brand it somehow because yeah. there isn't really a, i mean we could call it hard rock but then uh then it's like all of you some other hard rock bands like and that's not going to get anyone to listen to it so we 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 think by using hardcore country at least creates a little bit of intrigue um but in terms of comparisons or like fans of kind of thing like we get all kinds of stuff we've gotten uh, uh luke luke bryan and bad wolves and we've gotten avenge sevenfold meets the brain with gilbert and we've got my favorite was uh, Slipknot meets Johnny Cash. Oh yeah, that was one of mine that I was like, "Huh, that?" Because I mean, yeah, Johnny Cash was hardcore country back in the day. I mean, that dude was hardcore. He was like the original outlaw country, right? Yeah. And we actually, um, so we like we do boosted social media, like you know, paid promotion to like get some of our posts out there. And we actually do. I'm just gonna say it out loud right now. We target fans of people like five finger death punch and volbeat and you know uh luke combs and uh you know uh aldean jason aldean jason aldean yeah that's a big one like we we, i mean we we know we know there's people out there that want this kind of music right we like i'll give you a great example In, in my car shop that we talked about earlier like where i restore all of these cars like there's a guy down the way there's a guy down the way you know, I'm just out there on a Sunday one one time, and there's this guy down the way. Like he has another shop close to mine, and he pulls up and he's listening to Jason Aldean in his truck. Uh-huh. And then he he gets out and he goes in the shop, opens up his garage door, turns on the radio in his shop, and he's listening to freaking Lamb of God. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm just like, that's the guy. I I wanted to reach every person in the world that's that guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, because I yeah. and I and because it, it exists, and I know those people are out there. I'm that person. Matt's that person, uh, and I've had I've had I've had this idea that this existed for like you know more than a decade, and we're finally doing it. But yeah, 
I don't care what comparisons people throw us in. I don't care what bucket they put us in. I don't care that they're even hesitant to listen to us because we put on a label, we don't put on a label, whatever it is. Eventually, someone's going to know our name. People are going to know our name. We're going to get it out there. And even the naysayers, like, we're going to get them. Because I tell you what, I'll give you another great example. When I was a kid, uh, I went to Florida and I went to a mall and there was a band doing a signing. And I was like, you know, I did, you know, they did the thing on like the FYEs where you could like listen to the album or whatever. Oh, yeah. I listened to this album and I was like, this is the shit. And I took the CD back to Ohio because that's where I lived. And I was just in Florida visiting. But I showed this this band to all my friends. I'm like, guys, this is going to be the next big thing. And this, this, is the, this is the shit or whatever. And like, oh, all these people are like, that's stupid. And the band name's stupid. And the genre's stupid. And you know who it was? Oh. Limp Biscuit. <laughs> Before they were anybody. All my friends were like, rap metal. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. And they were like, <laughs> Lip Biscuit? That's the dumbest band name I ever heard. And then all of a sudden, it just out of nowhere, like it just do- started dominating. And it's like all the people that said they hate it, they came around, like ended up being the biggest fans. I'm not gonna, I'm not saying that's what's gonna happen with Silo. I'm just saying, like, those people out there, are like, don't mix your country with my metal or whatever. Like, we're gonna get to them because they're, they're, fr- they're gonna have the friend that did listen to us. You're like, hey man, did you listen to this band solo? They're pretty wicked ass. You know what I mean? It's gonna happen. I mean, yeah, for me, it's more like, you know, people are gonna be turned off no matter how you brand it. Whether it's hardcore, they're gonna go, uh, uh-uh, too much, or it's you know, country pussies. You know, you're gonna find both sides of that. But ultimately, you know, when your girlfriend's listening to Silo, that's, you know, and it's it's catchy, and you can't forget those some of those lyrics. That's where we're going to get them. Um, yeah, we've so already had people that say like our stuff, Oh, that, you call yourself hardcore. That ain't very heavy. But then I like give them a link to like a clip of eight seconds on one of our promo video. And they're like, Oh shit, that's heavy. You know what I mean? But conversely, we've had people say like, that's that ain't, that ain't country. That's just heavy metal with banjo on top of it. But then you send them the link to after midnight and they're like, yeah, yeah. Oh so, yeah. That is, that is total, um, well, that's like half country whiskey song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually really loved uh, doing that song because that's one of the first ones that we took in. We actually were about five minutes from the studio when our other guitar player said, hey, what do you guys think about this? And he plays this. And we were in the car for like an hour and a half at that point. And it blew me away. I was like, what the hell? Why, why did you just now think to, to play this for us? So we bust out the studio and Eric's out there with his cup of coffee at the farm. And we're like, we got a hit. We got it. Let's go. So we go in first thing. We just basically plug in right away. I mean, within five minutes, we're recording the song and we finished it probably by lunch. And it sucked. (laughs) It was not what we wanted. It was good, but it was not silo good. And we, after I finally was like listening to it, this is one of the first ones that I listened to. And I went, we should not put this on the radio. <laughs> we just didn't know what to do with it. And it just didn't have that silo. I keep calling it Sterling. Here's I have that, this like shining silver sound that we're trying to sort of, you know, silver bullet that's going to, that's going to get people. And eventually that song got thrown out. It just went back into the drive with a bunch of the others in contention. And we deleted the vocals off of it. And uh, a couple of weeks later, I was up at the studio with Eric and we took another crack at it and wrote it more like, okay, what if this was a 
Rocky Mountain love anthem that starts very, you know, I'm a sweet country boy describing the, the birds and the trees and shit. And then goes into, like you said, going, it's like a whiskey country song. It's two beers, just me and you after midnight. And it really developed into this, you know, almost a romantic weekend, the way it kind of sounds like sitting in a cabin with, with your loved one and the crackling fire and getting a little buzz on and looking at the sky at midnight, you know? So that was how that whole thing kind of turned. And it's one of my favorites because, um, you know, it really was my nod to more of like the nitty gritty dirt band, you know, playing songs that were more about Colorado and the Rocky mountains. And uh, it's nice for me to be able to kind of get a nod to that. Um, and then also the, the perseverance side of that where this song was completely discarded and we salvaged it. And it's definitely, you know, it's one of my favorites and we've had people that have listened to the other songs and they'll listen after midnight. No, it's too soft. You know, we, this is only our third song we've released after, you know, being out for three months. We've already had people going, Oh, they're selling out. This isn't like their original. Song. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, the internet I, is say. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of that one. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, um, it's gotten the reception that it has. And I think that's also part of one of the reasons why our female audience has gone up a little bit because, hey, these are hard rocking outlaw boys with band, you know, bandanas. But at the same time, there's also a sweet side, you know, so. So touring will come back at some point. Do you guys have any dates booked? No, no dates booked. Uh, well, we've had up on our website, on our, on our tour page, uh, obviously, like we put up there that we're in the studio, therefore we're not playing shows right now. Obviously, COVID's a very, still a very real thing. But, um, you know, having, having been in a band that was a national touring band, um, you know, I learned a lot from, from those escapades. And essentially, this time around, sort of the, the game strategy that I'm on, like I'm, I'm leading is to create the demand before hitting the road, right? Um, so you, so on our website, you can petition for where you would like us to play in which city. Like you just put in your email address and and, throw, and you can, there's a picker. You can pick which city or the closest city you want us to play in. And so the concept there is like, well, you know, if we get three thousand people that want us to go play in Anchorage, Alaska, <laughs> we're going to Alaska. You know what I mean? Because we've got to meet the demand. Because you know, there's there's been other tours I've been on where it's like, yeah, one night you're playing in front of five thousand people, but the next night, once or the next night, having you know, driving eight hours and one state over, like you're playing in front of eight people. Uh, and so I, I just, we hit the road. I definitely want some more consistency there. We've also talked about potentially doing a buy-on uh, with another, you know, artist of stature, uh, which, which is pretty common among bands. And I think that might be an easy way for us to to get on tour if we haven't created the demand that we wanted to by then. Um, we're definitely going to tour. Like that's there's no if ands buts about it. Like it's so funny. Like. You know, Eric, uh, you know, his hesitancy when joining the band, even though he really wanted to, he's like, I'm married with a kid. It's like, well, we're going on tour. Like, he's like, and he's, he, he kind of hesitated. And he's, and then he was like, you know what? He's like, I'll go on tour. He's like, well, my kids can come visit me or I'll, or I'll fly <laughs> back. Later. So we, I think we're definitely, all of us members are definitely like on par with going on tour. And, uh, uh, 
I think it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I think uh, a goal for us would be just to put on like a, a decent sized show in an area where we have a pretty good fan base and just kind of go from there. But again, we're just trying to create that demand, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm too old and I'm too far into this game to do the thing where like, Oh, Hey guys, show up and play for some beer and pizza and, you know, bring your friends kind of thing. Like, no, I'm not going to do that no more. So. Yeah, well, so much of it nowadays is pay to play, you know, pre-sell the tickets. Right. Um, but okay. Before we get away from that, I just want to say, so if you would like to hear, or if you'd like to see Silo in your town, go to silo.band, B-A-N-D, slash tour, T-O-U-R. Put in your email address, put in the nearest city, select the city, select the city from the dropdown and click submit and tell everybody else you know to do the same thing so that you can, when, when the world opens again, you can get Silo in your town playing for you and, and, and hear this hardcore country band. So yes. silo.band slash tour. And we will not spam you. I, I promise you. <laughs> uh, Unless you would like to win some free shit. Well, even, even uh, then we won't spam you. We, we're doing this guitar giveaway and we've only emailed that list once. And it was to give them an update about the giveaway. So it's not like we send out emails and like flood your inbox with bull crap about Silo. Yeah, so a little plug there. You know, the, the gold Telecaster that I used in the Glitter and Gold video, we will be giving away on Valentine's Day 2-14-21 to coincide with the album release. You can sign up for that at silo.band slash git. That's G-I-T. Uh, go in there as many times as you can. Find all the ways to get, to get exposure because we are giving away that gold guitar from that video in two days. And people should just come follow us on social media anyway because we're hilarious and we have plans on giving away a lot more shit too. That's so true. We're, we are pretty funny. I'll, I'll put links to all of your social media in the, uh, the show notes on pariahrocks.com. But just tell us what's, the, the, what's your Twitter handle, what's your Facebook page? Easy. Silo Country. Twitter.com slash Silo Country. Instagram.com slash Silo Country, Facebook.com slash Silo Country, YouTube.com slash Silo Country. All of it's consistent. And we TikTok. TikTok Silo slash Country. Venmo slash Silo Yeah, there you go. Do we need that? Yeah, you, you just go ahead and Venmo all your money to Silo. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Although merchandise page is up, which is kind of fun too. Yeah, What's on we, the merch page? Just bandanas, stickers, vinyl transfers, and silo guitar picks right now. Uh, I have a stock on shirts. Uh, we, we need to get new new stuff up there for sure. Hoodies, hats, stuff like that. But you know, one thing at a time. We've only been a band for like four months. Come on now. <laughs> well, you already got plans for you know silo branded panties, you were saying. Oh, yeah. Great. Lots, yeah. Of, lots of panties, coffee cups, you know, the essentials. <laughs> Absolutely. Pariah, okay. we'll put you first in line for them silo panties. Uh, thanks. I'll send you my size. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Matt Wander, Brian, the, the heart of silo, thank you guys very much for taking the time to talk to us and for coming on the Hard, Heavy, and Hair show. Man, really thank appreciate you. it. Yeah, man, loving the new time. album. 
Thank you very much. Uh, we're very, very excited for everybody to hear it. And, uh, you know, your support has been invaluable in this, buddy. Yeah, super I'm, appreciate I'm it. happy to help. I mean, you, you guys make really good music. Um, you've got a unique sound, but even if it wasn't that unique, you still make really good music. So thank you. Um, thank you for sending me the album. I'm, I've been enjoying it. Awesome. Absolutely, man. Like I said, send us your address and we'll get you some, uh, some swag. Sounds good. All right, buddy. All right. All right man. Uh, so thank you. We'll see you on the social medias. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> Take it easy. Remember, to hear the music discussed in this interview, stream the on-demand Hard Heavy and Hair show at pariahrocks.com. That's P-A-R-I-H-R-O-C-K-S dot com. Also hit pariahrocks.com to stream or listen on a radio station near you. The regular two-hour Hard Heavy and Hair show with me, Pariah Burke. Hard Heavy and Hair is your weekly dose of hard rock, heavy metal, and hair bands from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 20-teens, and today, including the latest new releases, your old favorites, and deep cuts and rare hair, along with rock news and trivia. This has been a Pariah Burke production. Copyright 2021. PariahRocks.com. The home of hard, heavy, and hair. Send requests, fan mail, and nude photos to Hard Heavy and Hair on PariahRocks.com. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at PariahRocks. <laughs>